Welcome to Amplify Your Process Safety, the podcast that provides the experience and expertise you need when it comes to process safety and risk management. Our hands-on approach will give you the insight needed, whether you're new to industry or process safety, in a role where you interact with aspects of process safety, or an experienced process safety professional. Join your hosts, Wesley Carter and Rob Bartlett, in their mission to protect people, the companies they work for, and the communities where they operate by making process safety knowledge available to all. Welcome to the Amplify Your Process Safety Podcast. This is Wesley Carter. I'm here with Blaine Hoffman again. Blaine, thank you as always for your contribution to the podcast. Wes, this is fun. Uh, We're going to have to do more of these. You know that, right? Uh, I feel like we've got like this. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I like doing this. You know, I always enjoy the topics. I always learn a little bit. So as always, thank you, um, especially for our audience. Um, so something I want to talk about or, you know, kind of introduce, we're going to talk about hot work today and, you know, we'll get into get into hot work. But I thought it was appropriate. You know, we were talking about this, about something interesting about your background, um, you know, something you've done previously to what you do today um, is that you um, you were a firefighter. Yeah, I was. That's what got me started in the safety industry, actually. I started as a firefighter. I wanted to ride the big red engine for a while, but um, I quickly learned, uh, like like most jobs, you know, that you, you have this sort of, you romanticize it a little bit. And uh, I, I, still, I still love the profession, by the way. Uh, much respect for anybody that does it. So that said, I realized there's a lot of... Um, I guess you could say waiting around for stuff to burn. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I, re- I, I was never one to sit still. Uh, you know this, always busy, always moving. So I got interested in prevention and education. So I quickly started uh, calling the prevention office saying, hey, I know there was just two individuals working in, in the uh, prevention office, one full-time and, and the other one was like part-time. And I would say, do you, you have any visits you're going to make in, out in the community, um, businesses, uh, walkthroughs, any, anything going on? Do you need somebody to do some training? And, and they would use me to, I would go into some elementary schools, do stop, drop, and roll, and pass, you know, for the fire extinguisher stuff for the kids. And, and, I, and so I, I quickly developed a passion for preventing fires, for getting on the prevention side and inspections and some code enforcement. But then I headed in that direction and uh, was, uh, was off. I actually took a leave. After a couple of years, I took a leave of absence and was getting some schooling at the Ohio State Fire Academy, uh, and I was looking at Sinclair College. They had a, a safety uh, risk management program in uh, fire science technology, and uh, a tragedy occurred uh, within my fire department that uh, I was associated with. And, you know, talking with my, uh, my fiancé at the time, we were married in 96, and, which is when I, right after I left uh, the fire service. But, you know, I didn't realize how stressful it was for her uh, worrying about things like that happening. I think a lot of us, we know it's a reality and we kind of accept it. But that moved me, you know, that, that it was doing that to her, that she had been silently dealing with that stress and anxiety. And, and when, you know, a colleague was killed, that did not that sort of opened the floodgates. And, you know, back then I was young, I was really young. And, um, you know, I thought, I thought I had my career path laid out for me. And I was really upset with myself that I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't pick up on 
the cues, right? That, that I look back now and I'm thinking, man, that's exactly what was happening. And I didn't see it then with her. Yeah. And that was very important to me. So it, it was an easy transition. I my, those skills transferred easily. And I know I never regret people always ask me, you regret, you know, leaving the farm. No, I don't. How do you regret a decision to which you don't know what the alternative outcome would have been? No, I don't, I don't ever regret. I, I am here where I am now because of the decisions I've made uh, along the way in my life. And, you know, I'm better for it. My wife is better for it. And my family is better for it. And, uh, and look, we're talking, you know, that's how I met you. And, uh, you know, we've got this great professional relationship and uh, personal relationship. So yeah, that's, that's sort of a, a little fun fact about me, how I got started in occupational safety and health management it was I was a firefighter. Oh, it's very interesting. And, you know, I think I speak for um, the overwhelming majority, um, you know, Americans that appreciate um, the service that firefighters provide, um, especially, you know, because um, I can tell you that, you know, my wife's, um, her home burned down when she was, when we were in high school. And I can tell you, it's a devastating thing to think the people that risk their lives to do stuff like that, you know, so I appreciate you saying that, you know, and like I said, thank you for what you did in, in that time. And then to the people who continue to take that risk every day. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. So today, you know, so, you know, thanks again, you know, for sharing that. And today we're going to talk about hot work and that's, you know, I thought it was, you know, fit to talk about that. You know, you think hot work, fire, you know, the hazard, that's really what you're <laughs> concerned yep. with, you know? And so for the audience, you know, the key takeaways. So what does regulation say? You know, PSM is pretty, pretty specific on what they expect um, versus what general industry might say and why is hot work important, you know? So that's really what we want to get into. And so I'll start with, you know, that first part, what does the PSM regulation say? And it is very, they've got two kind of requirements here for hot work permit within the 1910-119. The employer shall issue a hot work permit for hot work operations conducted on or near a covered process. When we say covered, this is a PSM facility. And then the permit shall document that the fire prevention and protection requirements in 29 CFR 1910-252-A have been implemented prior to beginning the hot work operations. It shall indicate the date authorized for hot work and identify the object on which hot work is to be performed. The permit shall be kept on file until completion of the hot work operations. So it's pretty straightforward, right, Blaine? In, in industry? Yeah, that's that sounds pretty straightforward to me. So what about I'm not at a PSM facility as it is granular? So the long answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's the short answer. <laughs> no, we have. Uh, so you referenced. So PSM references the general industry standard mm-hmm. of 1910-252. So 1910-252A specifically, it starts with A. That's welding, cutting, and brazing. And it's uh, A is the fire prevention and protection uh, section. So for the rest of us in general industry, not at a PSM site, this is where we would go to find out what we need to do to set up the work area to make sure that we don't catch a bunch of stuff on fire, right? And that is, you know, removing anything that is flammable or combustible from the area. And if it can't be removed, you've you got to cover it with a suitable protection, you know, cover like blanket, fire blankets, uh, shields, partitions, things like that, weld curtains, that kind of stuff, right? And then it gets into firewatch. It gets into setting up the firewatch. That's the section where we, we get some instructions on, you know, any combustibles that are um, more than uh, 35 feet away but are easily ignited by sparks. Uh, you have to watch out for those and, and deal with those. Anything within 
35 feet of the point of operation, how you're going to protect those, and how long the fire watch has to be there. They have to have the fire extinguishing equipment readily available and trained in its use, familiar with uh, facilities for sounding an alarm in the event of a fire. They've got to watch for fires in all exposed areas, try to extinguish them only when obviously within the capacity of the equipment available or otherwise sound the alarm. The fire watch shall be maintained for at least a half hour after completion of welding or cutting operations to detect the and extinguish possible smoldering fires. But this is where you get to the permit. So I've, you know, spent my entire career, you know, manufacturing plants, you know, non-PSM sites, and every one of them has a, uh, most of them, I should say, has had a written hot work permit. And every one of the safety managers and maintenance managers would tell me, it's like, oh yeah, it's required by OSHA. Here, here's where the general industry requirement, here's what it says. 1910-252-A-2-I-V. Authorization. Before cutting or welding is permitted, the area shall be inspected by the individual responsible for authorizing and cutting and welding operations. They shall designate precautions to be followed in granting authorization to proceed, preferably in the form of a written permit. That's it. Well, I don't prefer. What if I, what if I don't prefer <laughs> that? Then you're in compliance, I guess. I mean, I don't know why that word would have made it in to the standard because it just opens up like what you just said. Oh, I don't have to. So we all know it's a best, it's a good practice, right? Absolutely. So I've always defaulted to like, you know, FM Global, you know, Travelers, Great American, like, you know, what's, what's your underwriters, you know, policy on this, you know, for the building, because they're going to be a little more strict. And most of them require a, a written permit for, you know, and recommend that under some insurance policies, which is an odd place to look. But hey, wh- I, whatever lever I need to pull, right, to to get us there. But yeah, that's what the standard says for 1910. Yeah, you know, in this part about, you know, the difference between a PSM facility where it's it's mandated versus, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, I don't want to call it flexibility, but there's definitely, there's a spot there where you can say, well, you know, preferably, right, that one word. And, you know, you think about hot work at, at, at its base, you know, at a PSM facility, you're regulated or you're a covered process because you've got a an inventory of flammable materials or toxics somewhere in the facility. And now you're going to show up and do hot work and hot work can be, you know, it can be grinding, cutting, welding, anything that has a spark, right. Or has a, you know, an open flame. And you think like, I'm going to step into the facility and I'm within, you know, whatever feet. And I always like how, you know, flammable stop at 35 feet magically. Uh, But you know, you got to have something, but you, you know, you have, you have this torch, you know, and the way I explain it to people is you've got, you've got a torch and you're holding this torch and there's a inventory of flammable material that's released. Oh, what can happen? Right. Boom. You know, you can have a flash fire, um, a vapor cloud explosion. Um, you know, maybe it's a pool and you ignite a pool fire. It's got radiant heat, something like that. You know, and so at a PSM facility they're you know, they're like, look, if you're going to do hot work, which means within you're in this proximity of a flammable material, have to have a hot work permit, right? Required. Um, so it's interesting you know, when you think about how it's preferable, you know, in other other instances where you're not regulated by the PSM standard because the hazard is exactly the same. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to throw another one, another wrinkle into this. Like we need another one, right? Yeah. So whether it's PSM facility or just general industry manufacturing facility, 
you know, you think about some of the work that you have a contractor and, you know, we, we recently recorded an episode on contractor management, but, and it kind of, kind of overlaps with that. So it's kind of cool. Uh, so we're going to have to point people back to that episode, but let's say some of the work. So, and, and this is the struggle that I have in general industry. When I talk to maintenance folks, I'm like, you, do you do realize that a lot of the work you do falls under 1926, not 1910? And they just look at me and I'm like, yeah, if you look at the definition of construction work, you're a lot of like repainting, remodeling, like there, there's a lot of work that 1910 general industry maintenance folks engage in that is actually falling under the 1926 standard. Luckily, the 1910 standard um, is, you know, strict enough, I guess you could say if I'm using air, air quotes on strict enough, like with fall protection, you know, they still follow the four foot general industry rule, not the six foot construction rule. So we don't get into trouble there with these maintenance folks. They already know and they're they're tuned to the fall protection standard under 1910, which is four feet, which is better. But when we get to welding, um, welding and cutting subpart J under the construction standards. So imagine a PSM facility hiring a contractor and this contractor, they're mostly doing construction work. They're going to job sites to do some of this type of work and you have them coming out to your PSM facility. Think about the, the change for them uh, going from 1926, you know, construction regulations, which arguably are easier to follow. I mean, there's a lot of leeway in there. And so, an example of that leeway is 1926 uh, 352D under subpart J, welding and cutting. So I just read the 1910, the general industry standard for, um, you know, you know, preferably have a written permit type of thing. Here's what it says in construction. Suitable fire extinguishing equipment shall be immediately available in the work area and shall be maintained in a state of readiness for instant use. Period. Huh. So... So you can do control F on this page and look for the word permit, look for the word uh, phrase hot work, look for, you're not going to find it <laughs> since it's not. So it's even, it's even more vague in 1926. It's just one sentence versus two sentences in the 1910. So you throw a contractor who's used to this approach, like, oh, I, all I have to do is have this five pound ABC extinguisher strapped to my torch cart and that meets the standard. It's in the immediate area and ready for use. Yeah, You know, I can't rely on the building extinguisher that's over there. I have to have my own. But other than that, I can I can just be torching stuff. So managing that is trouble. Yeah, right? you can imagine asking that, you know, that work crew, you know, where's your monitor? And they're like, my, yeah. my what? Where's your fire watch? Well, my what? Where's your permit? What, what is a, f- yep. a fire watch? What are, what are you talking about? Like, I have an Apple watch. Um, I've watched stuff <laughs> catch on fire plenty of times in the past. I mean, is that when? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think, you know, between the PSM standard and what you've said, you know, I think it's very clear that hot work is important, but I think you've got a pretty good story, um, you know, that, that I'd like you to share um, for the audience. Oh, yeah. So, uh, man, back in the day in the 90s, and um, you're taking me back a ways. So this was uh, one of the first gigs I got uh, making the transition from the fire service, and it was a, a large um, steel manufacturer. It was at a... Uh, steel plant. And I went through the orientation program. It was a couple of weeks and uh, before I even went out to the uh, production area, but uh, I was going to oversee demolition contractors and uh, the demolition of uh, a section. Uh, they were decommissioning uh, some battery steel plants areas and some uh, powerhouses and cooling towers and, and whatnot. 
but there was still it was still in an area that was active. So there was live piping going through this area with naphthalene gas and you know coke oven gas and uh, acid gas, acid fumes, things like that. And they were all labeled and everything. So you know obviously it's very important when they're they're cutting and demoing all this steel and uh, support systems and they're using torches and and whatnot. It became a, a pretty serious issue. Well, I I get out of the orientation and there we drive out to the area where this contractor is going to start doing the demolition. And we we pull up and we're outside the job trailer. I meet the foreman and some of the workers and my the representative from the steel company that I I won't name them, but he says to me, he says, uh, you know, introduces me to everybody. And I said, hey, I want to go see the area where the work's going to be done. I would like to kind of do a walkthrough with everybody to make sure we're on the same page. And then I'll get started with, you know, the, some of the safety briefings and things that I need to get get going with this contractor. And we start walking over towards that area. And I see the four-story cooling tower. And, you know, we've all seen seen these things. Uh, so it's pretty standard. And I noticed that the whole area is taped off. And I, I made the comment of, like oh wow it's uh, it's already everything's already taped off and I see the tape and some some uh, you know cones and flashing lights and and everything and and the gentleman from the steel company uh, that uh, was showing me around he says yeah he goes it's been pretty much roped off since you know over the last couple of weeks since you you got here and uh, as I get closer I realize it doesn't say caution on the yellow tape it says police and, and I kind of looked at him I said hey uh did you guys run out of caution tape? I did. I asked. Him. I thought it was like a joke. He goes, "Oh no, that's how this contractor got the uh, got the gig. The contractor before them ignited some gas in this cooling tower, trying to cut into the side of it, and uh, blew four people off the top and uh, killed them all, including the safety guy." He pats me on the back and says, "Hey, give me a shout if you need anything," and walks off. Wow! So they literally took that other contractor's trailer, hooked it up to a, a hostler drug it outside the gates and said, next, next bid. And uh, that's how that contractor got the bid. Um, and this was a time, by the way, in the 90s where, you know, OSHA had to actually put a permanent off, semi-permanent, it was a trailer. They set up outside the gates to this facility and had two full-time compliance officers working. I mean, this, and it was all contractors. And back then, you know, and I, I hate, to keep pointing back to another episode, but you know, the contractor, contractor management, right? Yeah. Um, back then it was this, uh, we talked about this acronym CATS, C-A-T-S. There, there was like, you had several choices when it came to managing risk. You can change, change the risk. You can accept the risk and do the work. Um, you can transfer the risk or you could share the risk. And that, their approach was transfer. It was sub it out. Uh, we don't want to tear any of this. We don't want our maintenance folks to do any of this work because it's dangerous. We're going to transfer it out and then we're going to claim, well, we don't know how to do that and we don't have the expertise to oversee it. So anything that goes wrong, we're not responsible for. And the fatalities throughout the 90s um, at that facility, uh, it was shocking. So that was my first day on the job. First 15 minutes on the job was was dealing with, uh, you know, the hot work. And it was all hot work. That entire operation of demolition, it was all hot work. So, yeah, managing that. And luckily, you know, from that point on, we got the whole thing done, not a single issue. But the problem was at the top, they had a, they had a, uh, the gas monitor. Yeah. With the pump and hose. You're talking about, hose you're was, talking about was, during the, during the incident. 
Yeah, d- during the incident, what, what I learned was that they were at the bottom of the cooling tower getting ready to make some cuts for the pick points that were going to be used uh, eventually. Uh, but th- they were monitoring from the top of the tower, dropping the hose down. It was only about 30 feet long, and it was, uh, you know, 50 feet in the air. So they the bottom 20 foot of atmosphere in that cooling tower was not being monitored. So obviously the heavier-than-air uh, ignitable gases, um, that's what got them. Yeah, you talk about... Um... I don't know if you call that managing hot work or not managing hot work, um, but, you know, transferring that risk. I mean, you talk, I can't imagine, you know, you, this is the, you know, beginning of your employment there and you're walking around and you see that and you're like, whoa, an instant appreciation for what can go wrong. I mean, people lost their lives, right? You know, and then your employer. They did. And, it was terrible. And your employer pulls the trailer off and, you know, pats you on the back and is like, you know, good luck with the next crew. Yep. And so the first thing I thought, Wes, was. Well, second thing, first thing I thought was, good Lord, you know, that many people were killed. The second thought was, I'm going to have somebody else uh, go monitor the air this time. <laughs> so, I mean, like, what do you, what do you say to that? Right? Yeah. You're like, I'm not going, I'm not going to, I'm going to train one of these guys to, to do the air monitoring. I'm not getting up there. But yeah, um, you know, we manage it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's um, your confidence go, just hits rock bottom in in that organization's ability to, to manage risk. Um, and, and that's when it dawned on me and, and coming out of the fire service, I, you know, it, look, it isn't about regulations, Wes. We know, so we know what right and wrong feels like. And sometimes we don't, we don't need a regulation to tell us, okay, we need to stop and we've got to address something here. And, um, you know, I think we lose some of that in our, com- not our conversations, but a lot of people's conversations around what, where does it say that in the standard? And, and I know we have to be governed by something like we have a baseline, but remember, it's the different. What we're talking about is the is the difference between a starting point or a finish line. And some people look at the regulations as a finish line, and I'm like, no, no, no. That is that is where we start from, and we build from there. Yeah, you know, because ultimately you're trying to protect people. You know, yeah. and this is you know absolutely, you know, and so you know the importance. I think you know you just you just I mean a personal story about what can go wrong, you know, when hot work isn't managed correctly, contractor management is over, you know, on site, you know, you're not overseeing the job and there's this fact sheet. We'll link to it in the show notes um, that I want to mention. It's got some key stuff I wanted to cover, but yeah, the CSB chemical safety board, you know, big fan of what they put out, tons of great educational videos. Um, You know, the investigations that the stuff they put out is just, it's first class And in February 2010, they published a safety bulletin called Seven Key Lessons to Prevent Worker Deaths During Hot Work in and Around Tanks. And it was really good. I can remember um, talking about this to, you know, um, people that I supported, you know, from an occupational health and safety perspective, um, going through these this bulletin and the seven key lessons. And in April 2018, they pointed back, they released another bulletin and pointed back to that because it's such good material. Um, and in that, they kind of have this, you know, called theme. The CSB has found that explosions and fires caused by hot work are among the most common incidents it investigates. These incidents typically result in injuries and fatalities and have the potential to result in a major catastrophic incident. So that's kind of their, their theme for this. And they had seven key lessons when conducting hot work. Use alternatives. Whenever possible, avoid hot work and consider an alternative method. You know, one of the things we owe, you know, I do, and you've probably seen this, is... Do they have to do the work right there? 
you know, they're fabbing up piping and they're going to do some welding. Well, why can't they fab, you know, do all that fabrication, you know, a thousand feet away, you know, somewhere else on site where there's no hot work, you know, remove, remove that. The, you know, the second one was analyze the hazards, perform a hazard assessment to really make sure you understand the hazards for your hot work area. And three is monitor the atmosphere. You think about, okay, I, I have this torch and I have a flammable material that's over there. Everything's great as long as it's, you know, in the tank, or maybe I'm going into a tank that I thought was clear. So have a gas detector that can actually tell you, hey, everything's okay and nothing's changed while you're doing that work. And the fourth lessons they have was test the area. So wherever you're doing that, make sure the work, you know, it just goes along with monitor the atmosphere, test the area you're about to do work in. The fifth one was use written permits. And I think throughout this show, we have, you know, this, this podcast, we have talked about why the importance of using a written permit and where it's spelled out in the PSM regulation where it's not spelled out elsewhere. And then the sixth lesson was train thoroughly. So train personnel on hot work policies and procedures. And this, you know, I know you pointed back to it, but I'll point back to it again, the contractor management policy, but train your personnel who are going to be conducting hot work, whether it's on your location or you're providing contractors to go do this at another location. And then the seventh one, and again, it just really brings it all home. What we've been talking about between that other episode on contractor management, and this is supervise your contractors. You know, you have this hazard, you have this flammable material, make sure that the people conducting that work, they are following your hot work policy while on location, or they're still, you know, all the, all the stipulations that come with conducting hot work, are they following them? Your due diligence, right? And so that, that safety bulletin they put out, I really think is a good emphasis on the importance of hot work, like we just discussed, as well as seven key lessons you can look at. And then as part of that, they also released some videos that go along um, that actually prompted them after some investigations to put the original bulletin out in 2010. Yeah, the CSB, we've talked about them in the past. Uh, fantastic organization. And uh, it applies, the, these lessons apply to every workplace. I mean, you know, hot work near flammables or flammable atmospheres, you know, we're not just talking about PSM sites. I mean, we have that potential in many other workplaces and construction sites. So these are universal. Uh, we should be definitely tapping into some of this, uh, some of the CSB resources outside of PSM sites to learn from them. Absolutely. So I think, you know, for a listening audience, um, you know, hot work is pretty defined in some instances, some cases is not, but I really liked what you said about, you know, start, you know, start line versus a finish line. You'll start, you know, the approximation, you know, how do you protect your employees when doing hot work? There's great guidance when you look at um, issuing a permit, this, these lessons learned, and it's all about understanding your hazards when, burning, welding, or doing some similar activity with an ignition source um, around a flammable material and how you protect your employees, right? Yeah, absolutely. So as always, Blaine, it was a joy to speak with you um, about hot work. I thank you for your time, um, you know, your, you know, sharing your experiences and, um, and also your, your time as a firefighter. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Wes. Likewise, nothing but respect for what you and your team are doing uh, for your industry but um, I love these collaborations that, you know, these collabs we do because, you know, I hope to do more because I know the general industry can learn more. The more we're exposed to what other businesses and even industries are doing and how other businesses and industries are dealing with similar types of hazards, the more we can, we can learn. That shared knowledge, I think, is what's going to help us uh, improve safety for our employees moving into the future. So, I love talking with you about the PSM stuff. I love pulling that info from you. 
don't tell anybody, but it's like free consulting for me. I'm, I know you should, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should be billing me for this. But no, I, I learn a lot from our discussions and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, listeners, thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Amplify Your Process Safety. Head to our website, AmplifyConsultants.com to find our show notes and other resources. Thank you for joining us in our mission to ultimately save lives by advancing process safety right here on Amplify Your Process Safety. Until next time.